0: This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense, science based healthcare. Here's your host, Dr. TJ Williams.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This uh, show is designed to provide common sense, science based strategies for a healthy life. I'm your host, Dr. TJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Erin. I-, I promise she's sitting over there, even though she's quiet most of the time. I'm
0: right
1: here. <laughs> I promise. Um, All right, so today's our second show on hyperbaric oxygen therapy, what it is, why it's so amazing, and what all it can help with. So I want to take a few minutes here, and I want to recap what we talked about last week. Uh, We talked about in the very beginning of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, or HBOT for short. Sometimes we'll refer to it as HBOT. um, There were a few very poorly designed studies that gave a lot of doctors the impression that hyperbaric is, as a treatment, is ineffective. And the vast majority of doctors in the United States don't really have any training whatsoever in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And another interesting side note was that about 75% of medical schools don't even have any mention of hyperbaric medicine in their curriculum. So the rising popularity of this stuff is actually mostly due to informed patients who have sought the treatment out themselves after doing their own research. And they've advocated for hyperbaric due to the success outcomes that they've had. And everyone's success is different. Um, What people define as success is, you know, what one person defines as success is is different than what another person defines as success. But the key is that a lot of people are very successful with receiving this treatment. We talked about the fact that oxygen is our life force um you know think about it like this we can go weeks without food days without water but only minutes without oxygen and hyperbaric oxygen therapy uses oxygen and pressure to treat the body Do you have anything to throw in there yet, Aaron? (laughs) She's just sitting quietly. No, this is your part. (laughs) All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so a researcher by the name of Dr. Goodman, um, or Godman, rather, um, he did did some research that showed that a single one-hour treatment of hyperbaric oxygen therapy was able to affect over 8,000 genes in the human body within the first 24 hours of uh, treatment. And then if a second treatment was given within... 24 hours of the first treatment, even more genes were activated and the cells began to form small blood vessels. And the genes that get turned on and off, the ones that get turned on are the the ones that code for growth and repair as well as those that are uh, anti-inflammatory in nature. And the genes that get turned off are the genes that are pro-inflammatory and the ones that code for cell death. And what they ended up finding out was that oxygen was what was responsible for turning the genes on that needed to be turned on and it was the pressure that was responsible for turning the genes off so i think that's pretty interesting and another little thing to throw in there is that the human body only has about 25,000 genes so if we're affecting 8,000 of them with hyperbaric we're affecting about 25% of our genetic makeup and as we do more and more treatments that number actually increases so when oxygen is under pressure, it has like a drug-like effect on the DNA and other components in the cell. And because of this, this brings about permanent changes in the cell and surrounding tissues. The secret to hyperbaric oxygen therapy's success, though, is the cumulative effect. So basically what this means is that after each round of treatments, and usually a round of treatments is around 40 or so treatments per the body's tissues have been permanently changed, and they don't go back. They've been permanently improved, And that's pretty impressive with considering that it's only 40 treatments. So some studies that have been done have shown that hyperbaric oxygen recruits stem cells to the wounded areas. And for those of you who are, are longtime listeners of the show, we have a gentleman that comes on once in a while. He's one of our guest physicians. His name's Dr. David Harshfield. Um, He's a leader in cellular medicine. He even recognizes the importance of hyperbaric oxygen for people receiving cellular medicine, things like platelet-rich plasma or stem cells or amnion, because he recommends that the people that are going to receive those types of treatments actually get hyperbaric oxygen therapy as part of their treatment regimen. He understands that hyperbaric causes our bodies to produce hormones and important growth factors that help us heal and repair our body as well as – We increase the amount of stem cells that are available to help for tissue uh, regeneration. So, Harshfield recommends over and over that people who want to get cellular medicine, no matter what it is, that they get hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And he even recommends, he recommends before and then immediately after. And everybody's a little different depending on the person. He may recommend, you uh, you know, more treatments if someone is older or has more damage or something like that, but... He recommends it for pretty much everyone. And then, you know, this really comes back to just understanding. When you truly understand what's going on inside the body from a physiologic standpoint, from what's going on inside the cells, it's not a very big stretch to be able to discuss how hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help an enormous list of conditions. I mean, if we just look at brain injuries or conditions that arise because we have decreased oxygenation of brain tissue, we're talking about things like birth injuries, cerebral palsy, or any kind of other oxygen deprivation, um, long-term effects of head trauma, lingering effects of stroke, degenerative neurologic diseases like multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, non-Alzheimer's senility, Oxygen deprivation accidents, I mean, like, there are lots of people that, you know, have heard of these horrible, horrific near-drowning stories or things like that. I mean, all this stuff can, can be affected by, by hyperbaric oxygen therapy when you understand the physiology. It's used a lot for carbon monoxide poisoning, heart attacks, wound healing. I mean, wound healing. A lot of people have been burned. Diabetic wounds. Um, skin grafts, anything that we can do to repair and heal. Recovery after surgery doesn't even mean, you know, uh, you know, any kind of surgery. It could even be cosmetic surgery in nature. And we have a lot of patients who come in after they get Botox and fillers or chemical peels that they're just trying to reduce recovery time. I mean, anyone who's received those treatments knows that, yeah, you're going to be bruised likely. You're going to be swollen. You're going to be red. And You know, there are things that can be done to decrease that downtime to get you back out there in the world. And when we we talk about hyperbaric oxygen, one of the concepts that we like to employ or or talk about is earliest possible intervention. It basically means that we need to intervene as quickly as we possibly can after any kind of event that's happened that decreases oxygen to any part of the body.
0: But it's not just... I mean, my understanding is that you still have seen great improvements with patients who have had these oxygen deprivation injuries years before, right
1: yeah, and that's the thing there's so I think we talk about it a little bit later i think I, I wrote some notes about it when 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 we have brain injuries, you know we used to think that that tissue just died. And the research is starting to show that it doesn't really die. It just kind of goes to sleep and it can be woken back up and actually improve and start to function normally again. And that's the incredible thing is, I mean, somebody could have, um, you know, a massive concussion that created all kinds of damage or a stroke, you know, 10 15 years ago and still receive some sort of benefit now is it going to return you back all the way to pre-stroke or injury status no probably not but just increasing quality of life that is a huge step for a lot of people
0: right well and i think that that is one of the you know our big points with hyperbaric oxygen therapy is that this is not generally a cure-all it's a great addition and for anyone who you know, has a loved one who has suffered from a stroke or, you know, any sort of oxygen deprivation injury, autism, all of these different conditions where are they going to, you know, someone with a stroke, are they going to be back to where they were before? Maybe not. But the huge improvements are life changing
1: right and we like to we like to say that this is a this is a, a and it's not an either or type of treatment you don't if you're looking for hyperbaric oxygen therapy you don't have to choose oh i'm going to do hyperbaric or i'm going to do some sort of other standard treatment that is for whatever condition you don't have to choose between either or this is a both and meaning a quote both and that means that you can do both of these treatments and get the benefits of both why not try? The worst that hyperbaric is going to do is nothing. You're in no worse shape than if you give it a shot. And what happens if you do get some improvements?
0: Right. And, and the science s- is out there that shows that this can make huge changes in your body. Yeah. So- it is.
1: I mean if you have if you have any kind of knowledge whatsoever in how physiology works and how the body works, you know that we have to have oxygen to live. If we don't have oxy- oxygen, we die. We can make it for quite a while without water. We can make it even longer without food, but we can't make it without oxygen. And so if we can supply more oxygen to the tissues, it makes perfect sense that we're going to improve function.
0: Right, right. And I think that because this has not been, you know, it's not something that is used as the only treatment, a lot of people don't see it as the a potential treatment. It's just not really discussed where right. it can make, you know, it can give you great benefits when it is used in conjunction with other therapies.
1: Right, because what hyperbaric does is it puts out the inflammatory fire. And when you start to realize that inflammation is the one thing that all conditions and disease processes that take place in the human body has in common, you can start to understand how vast the possibilities are with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. We can just step in and do lots and lots of things. Yeah, are there a few conditions out there that you don't use hyperbaric? Yes, absolutely. And is, you know that's just a matter of just knowing what those two or three things are. But the key is that it likely can help, right? So before we go to break, I want to talk about the physics portion of this and why it works. We talked about it last week. It basically revolves around Boyle's Law and Henry's Law. These are things that you learned in high school. Every single one of us learned it. We took a test. We forgot it two minutes after we walked out of of that test. So Boyle's Law is the balloon. Think about this. Boyle's Law states that if... A fixed volume of gas changes inversely with the pressure on it, meaning if you blow up a balloon at sea level and you take that balloon and you dive deep into the ocean, the pressure of the water collapses that balloon and makes that balloon smaller. That is Boyle's law. And then Henry's law says that the amount of gas dissolved in a liquid changes with the pressure on the gas. This just basically means – this is the soda bottle example. When we – every one of us has looked at a, at a bottle of soda. And we, before we open it, we see inside that bottle that there's no air in there, there's no bubbles, there's nothing. And when we release that pressure, all of a sudden all that gas escapes. That pressure, that that gas was being dissolved in that fluid because of pressure. All right? So that's our physics lesson for the day. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about hyperbaric and inflammation and how the body responds to hyperbaric and putting out the inflammatory fire. This is Wellness 101
0: this is wellness 101
1: welcome back everyone for those of you just turning, tuning in, rather, today we are discussing hyperbaric oxygen therapy. This is part two of our uh, hyperbaric talk. Uh, we talked last week about some generalities and things. It was it was uh, very interesting, and we just recapped that in the first uh, segment. In this this segment, we're going to talk about some inflammation, and hopefully we can get into some conditions that hyperbaric can help. And really, it's, it's all about—hyperbaric is all about— putting out the inflammatory fire. And we've all heard about inflammation, we've all talked about it, we all understand, oh yes, inflammation's a problem. You know, we can test for it, you can identify inflammatory markers, but most people have absolutely no clue as to what it really is and what is really going on. Okay? So like I said before, inflammation is the one thing that all conditions in the human body have in common, okay? So inflammation is this very very fast and very, very dramatic reaction that happens in the body. And it has good and bad aspects. So I like to use a lot of house analogies um, when talking with patients and and people because people tend to get house analogies. So the inflammatory response with a house analogy kind of looks something like this. Imagine your house catches on fire and then very, very quickly – Someone comes in and dumps hundreds of gallons of gasoline on that fire all at one time. And then almost as quickly as they dump that gasoline on the fire, they dump water and chemicals to put that fire out. In a properly working person that has everything that they need, this is what happens. The body will catch the inflammatory fire. It takes place and puts the fire out almost instantly. And when that happens, then all these things that a body needs to heal an injury, repair it, and clean up the injury come to the site. All right? So what causes it? So
0: this is, well, I mean, I'm trying to understand. This is like swelling when yep. you hurt, you know, your ankle. Like right. you swell, and there's a reason why you're swelling.
1: That's right. You, you. If you hurt your ankle, if you sprain your ankle or strain your ankle, you, you tear a ligament or injure a ligament. In... Just as quick as you can imagine, the inflammatory fire takes place, and then the 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 body starts bringing in everything to heal and repair. And this is what is swelling. It's once everything comes in, that's when the swelling takes place.
0: So the swelling actually means that your body is working correctly and trying to heal itself. Yes. Okay.
1: The swelling and the redness is your body re- is your body um, responding properly. And there are actually some people out there. There's a book out there. Uh, talking about I think it's don't ice that sprained ankle talking all about how like ice isn't always the best thing that we can do for injury certain injuries yes but not every injury needs to have ice actually some injuries they're suggesting actually need distraction and movement um, almost immediately rather than ice because ice compresses the area decreases the blood flow causes the inflammatory response to be delayed a little longer and creates more issue you know that's really neither here nor there for this.
0: Right. I got you off track, didn't but, I?
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's out there. There's information out there on that. So, you know, I think it's important for people to know that there are two sides of the fence of that. So a lot of us think about inflammation when we have a big injury like that. We sprain something, we tear something, but, you know, we have other inflammation from other things too. Things like heart attack, stroke, a head injury. We break a bone, all of these things, but we also can get Injuries and and inflammation from small things like breathing poor quality air or eating food that you're sensitive to or flicking someone with your finger. You know, you just pop somebody with your finger. We've all done that, especially if you had a brother or sisters. Stubbing your toe, literally anything at all. And the most important part of this is that our health status, our actual health status at the event or at the time of the event determines our reaction to the, and response to the inflammatory cascade that's going to take place. If we have enough vitamins, minerals and proteins, that's extremely important because that will help us have a better inflammatory response. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does make sense and it
1: She's kind of sitting over there with a little bit of a blank look.
0: Well, no, it I-
1: happens when I get onto these types of topics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it makes sense as to why so many of the doctors and I know that you feel this way also are once you understand how hyperbaric oxygen therapy, you know, how it's beneficial to the body, it's in an ideal world, everyone, especially once you get past a certain age, would be getting hyperbaric oxygen treatments on a regular basis. Yeah,
1: on on an absolute, it would be, it should be something, I mean, I'll go out there and say this would be something that anyone... With any age on them whatsoever, and I you can determine what's old to you. I mean, I know how old I am, and I don't feel old, but I know that I benefit from hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and I think that everyone over a certain age should be getting regular hyperbaric treatments. It helps keep the brain fresh. It helps keep our bodies working.
0: Right. Well, so many people are looking at, you know, looking for the fountain of youth, and this is the closest that we've probably come to and discovering that gives you... You know, the ability to really, in a lot of ways, stop the aging process. Right. Because
1: the aging process is the body stopping DNA synthesis. We stop healing and repairing and making more of our own DNA. And hyperbaric oxygen therapy causes us to do that. So it just makes common sense. If you, if someone knows what they're doing and understands the physiology and what's going on in the body, hyperbaric in the right hands can help so many people.
0: Right. Well, and that's something Com- that...
1: Common sense, science-based healthcare.
0: Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because it is very beneficial and it can make a big difference, it also means that you need to be somewhat selective in where you go for hyperbaric oxygen therapy, because it is powerful and it has to be used by someone who knows what they're doing.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you got You really need to, to be doing, my, for if you're just doing it for health reasons, mild hyperbaric is the way to go. Um, there are hard chambers out there. I'm talking about soft chamber stuff um, with mild hyperbaric. Hard chambers, they can get really, really high pressures, you know, three, four, five, six atmospheres. Most humans can't stay conscious past three atmospheres. It just, there are a lot of things that go on. These are the, these are great big things that would be used like in Navy diving and stuff like that. Right. Where they're going like super, super deep.
0: And where they, you know, generally used in hospitals and emergency settings where the person has little likelihood of having more brain function, they are able to use this as a like a last ditch effort. Yeah. To- but, yeah. But the problem is
1: that the, most of the most of the hospitals that have them, they, they don't have technicians 24 hours a day to be able to throw someone in there. So if you inconveniently exactly. outside of business hours, normal business hours, have something where you
0: need to be put into that chamber, eh, they, they'll just pass. I mean, right. what in the world. I mean, anyway, that's beside the point. Right. My S- whole point is that make sure that you go to some place who that, you know, where the technicians know what they're doing and they know what pressure is going to be best, best for, you. for but yeah, what yep. you're trying to treat.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. So, how does inflammation happen? Basically, it happens because oxygen to a specific area, even a even a blood vessel is compromised and that Compromising the the oxygenated blood flow is what causes the problem. It causes these white blood cells to come in. They have a very specific name. I'll spare you the name: um, polymorphonuclear uh, lymphocytes. I, I couldn't handle it. Or neutrophils, rather. PMN, uh, polymorphonuclear lymph, uh, neutrophils, and. They they come in and they plug up the hole. They dump a bunch of things out, chemicals and enzymes and things, and then they start sticking together. And then when blood flow comes back, we can get this stuff called a reperfusion injury. And anyone out there who has had a heart attack because of a blood clot, and someone or or a stroke because of a blood clot, and they were given a a clot busting medication, something that breaks down that blood clot, they know that there is risk of getting what is called a reperfusion injury. That means when we put blood flow back into that area, we can create a lot of damage. And we do so by creating these free radicals. These free radicals want to bind to absolutely anything in the body. And what's crazy is that these free radicals, if there's an oxygen out there, these, these free radicals are OH. You know, If you go back into chemistry, it's an oxygen and a hydrogen. It has a negative charge. If you have more oxygen in your tissues, if you have more oxygen in your blood, you have an extra oxygen That combine to that, and now you make water, which is basically an inert. You get a, an H and two O's, right? Or hydrogen two, uh, and a hydrogen, yes. two hydrogens and an oxygen. If we have more oxygen, we can bind to this stuff and we can create something that's completely inert and save more people. But you have to have that oxygen in there to begin with. Aaron's again staring at me blankly.
0: Yep, let's move on. All right, what do you want to talk about
1: now? Um, <laughs> now Liz is laughing at me, <laughs> but that's how inflammation happens. And knowing that we get more infl- get more oxygen in the tissues, we can put out more inflammatory fire. That's right. the key.
0: I, I can appreciate the fact that you understand why it works, but if I just assuming that most of the people who are listening are like me, I don't need to know exactly how it works. I just need to know that you know how it works and that it could possibly work for me. And so I really think we need to jump into some of the conditions that we know hyperbaric can treat.
1: So what do you want to talk about first? We have a lot of them. There are tons. Want to talk about traumatic brain injury, heart disease, arthritis? You pick. Oh, I put her on the spot, ladies and gentlemen. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll start with traumatic brain injury. We do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to start talking about um, hyperbaric, the inflammatory response, and how hyperbaric oxygen can help people that have had a traumatic brain injuries, things like concussions and things like that. So hang around. It's going to be exciting when we come back. This is Wellness 101. <laughs>
0: One
1: oh one. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about hyperbaric oxygen therapy, round two. Uh, if you missed last week's session, go back and listen to it online. You can go to our website, the Institute of Natural Health.com, and listen to it there. Um, so we're talking about hyperbaric and how it, how it puts out the inflammatory fire and and how inflammation is the one thing that all conditions have in common. And Erin has during the break she told me that she was going to keep us on track and she told me how how far through our notes that we're we're going to go in this segment. And I'm not really sure if we can get there, but we're we're gonna we're gonna talk fast.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we're definitely going to try to. And I think, um, you know, I.
1: And if we don't, hey, we'll have a part three sometime.
0: (laughs) Well, um, talking during the break, you had mentioned, because I had said, well, things like traumatic brain injury, concussions may not apply to a lot of people. And just our short discussion really kind of changed my mind. So, um, yeah, why don't we jump into that? Yeah,
1: basically, so... With, with traumatic brain injuries or concussions, we'll, we're talking about mild traumatic brain injuries here, so concussions. We all know that concussions are becoming a very big, hot topic, and there are protocols in place for pretty much every sport. All the trainers and doctors, they're all trained in how to assess for concussions, and then athletes are taken out from these concussions and what most people don't realize I don't believe is that it doesn't take very much of a bump on someone to give them a concussion they don't even have to hit their head you could get hit in the chest and create a concussion because you can whip that head if you think of you know someone getting tackled that you whip that head that brain bumps up against the skull boom you could potentially have a concussion so I want to try a sidetrack here for just a second I want to talk about our a, a concept called reserve capacity that our body has so we all know we have two kidneys, we have two lungs and stuff like that. We can function with one kidney, we can function with one lung but we're not going to be able to function if we only have one. We're not going to be able to function as well as if we have both. And, you know, we're not, we're going to have a harder time if we're trying to run a marathon. We're not going to be able to handle altitude very easily. But the same is true for concussion. These things build up, right? One of the biggest dangers that, that concussions cause or has is the repeated small concussions that people can get. I I see lots of people in in the office that they've been in two, three, four car wrecks. Well, trust me, that's diminished their reserve capacity of their brain. Being tackled repeatedly in a football, either in a game or throughout the season getting checked in hockey. I mean, it's, it, we're, we're to date this show a little bit. We're in the middle of, of hockey season, getting ready for playoffs here. And so it's a it's a big deal. There are tons and tons of ways to get these repeat concussions. And when you have repeated concussions, you have less reserve capacity. Researchers proved this by taking people who had not had concussions and people who had received a bunch of minor little traumatic brain injuries and then deprive them of oxygen as if they were going to altitude and the people... People who had the repeated concussions had worse outcomes. They that altitude got them quickly, and they had trouble with that. So, we've got to pay attention to that. And we go through our life accumulating these insults and injuries, things like you know the collisions that we talked about, breathing in toxins, occupational hazards that come with with certain jobs. But back to your whole concussion thing, the if your kid gets a concussion. You don't have time. We talked earlier in the show. You need to get them somewhere as quickly as possible to where they can start receiving treatments for that to, to help repair the damage that's taken place and you don't have time to research and go online and go to all these websites and figure all this stuff out this is stuff you need to be looking into now if your kid if you're if you have a kid in sports you need to be paying attention hey what am i going to do if my kid ends up with a concussion
0: right because my understanding is that a lot of hospitals won't use hyperbaric oxygen therapy unless it's a really severe um you know life-threatening case right and If you have done or a
1: diabetic ulcer,
0: that's about all they use them for. There are all these off label. And,
1: you know, then that's another thing I'm going to I'm going to get on a rant here. And I apologize if this eats up a little bit of time. But one thing that you, you doctors I've heard doctors even tell me to my face and say, well, there's no indication. There's no research that says that that's true or that's an off label use. And we can't do that. Well, do you know how many prescription medications are being written for off label use? Do you know how many antidepressants were never tested on a child but are given to children? That's an off label use. It's a common thing in medicine. To use these things off label. If you understand the process that's going on in the body, if you understand the physiology of the inflammatory process, you can easily understand why applying hyperbaric oxygen therapy to someone in the right conditions, with the right amount of time, with the right guidance in the right facility, can help that person. So it makes no sense. And guess what? Yeah, there might not be a lot of research out there, but there's not a lot of money in hyperbaric oxygen research. And guess what? 50 years ago, there wasn't a lot of research on that medication that you're doing either. Somewhere, somebody did the actual clinical work and said, you know what? We have this one person over here that responded extremely well, and I have this other person that responded extremely well, and this person that responded extremely well. Somebody's got to be a pioneer. And I'm not afraid to be a pioneer in this one because it's beneficial.
0: Well, and what I think is so... You know, and not even any applause from the uh, from the gallery or anything. Oh God, there we go. Thank you, thank you. What I think is so surprising is that many doctors who don't know much about hyperbaric because if they knew anything about it, would they would be behind? You're right. You know, expanding the use, but when they don't know much about it, they are against trying this as a treatment. Whereas they don't have an issue prescribing a prescription for an off-label use when the research that we do have on that prescription, we know that there are side effects. Right. Because I don't know that there are any medications out there that there aren't known side effects for. Right. So it's kind of crazy that they would not be willing to have a patient try hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which at worst may not do benefit. anything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> At worst it does nothing.
0: So it just it is definitely something to keep in mind because if something happens and, you know, someone you love has a concussion, This can make a huge difference. And the earlier they get treatment, the more of a difference it can make.
1: Right. And the one thing that we do know about concussions is that these repeated concussions, they create problems later in life. I mean, this is this is the basis of all this stuff with football players and all these these, you know, lawsuits and things that are out there. They're they're really upset that they that this information was hidden from the players. So
0: is it something so you're saying concussions, you know, having repeated concussions you would know if you had a concussion, though, right?
1: No. No, you don't. I mean, so, if you're not assessed, you may not know.
0: So, I mean, I have been in, you If know, you've been in a, a car wreck that's, that's
1: faster than five mile an hour, you probably had a concussion. Really? Yeah.
0: It's crazy. Even if you didn't feel the effects of it? Correct.
1: Just like you don't feel the effects of breathing in, you know, the carbon monoxide when you're filling up your gas tank at the at the uh, at the gas station. But trust me, that carbon monoxide that's coming off that gas is creating a problem for you. These are all things that happen. So. All right. All right. We're going to move on to yes, stroke. Stroke. All right. What do you what do you got on Stroke you want me to light him up with some stuff. Yeah. No, number 5 cause of death in the number in the United States, number 2 cause of death in the world, basically a stroke is just disrupted blood flow to the brain. There's four different kinds, thrombotic, where we block a blood vessel with a clot, embolic meaning a clot travels to the brain and creates a problem, hemorrhagic, that's a bleed, so the, there's a bleed in the brain, and then there's subarachnoid. This is outside the brain. Um it's a ruptured vessel outside the brain, um, and it's who, it too is a bleed. So, when the when the brain is damaged in a stroke, it, we have this center area of damage, and the damage always happens on the downhill side of the clot. So we have, or the or the or the bleed. So we have. Disrupted oxygenation to that area, and we don't have a lot of collateral oxygen to, to our brain. It's fed by just a handful of vessels, and we don't have a lot of collateral circulation. So when we, when we create damage, there's this center area that gets a lot of damage, and then as we go out from that center area, the damage there's damage to that tissue, but that tissue kind of like goes to sleep. And they call this area that where the, the cells are alive, but they don't function very well. They call this area the ischemic penumbra, and with hyperbaric oxygen therapy, it's this ischemic penumbra that we believe is what's reactivating and waking back up and coming back to life. And that's what we're helping. Will we help the de- very center of that? Not likely. Not unless someone gets into a hyperbaric chamber literally in within just a handful of minutes of having a stroke. And that's not realistic for most people. Most people, you need to go to the hospital for something like that. You know, you would be put into a hyperbaric chamber at the hospital if they're going to help with that.
0: So a few things that I think are important for people who know someone, you know, have someone that they love who has suffered a stroke is that... The smaller strokes um, see the most benefit. Correct. So, yep. like the aren't they called TIAs? Like Transient
1: ischemic attack, yeah. mini stroke. Yep.
0: Um, they these the hyperbaric can really benefit anyone who has suffered those. Right. Also, the fact that this is the number five cause of death in the U.S. is most likely due to the fact that we're able to keep these people alive. Right. But unfortunately, their ability to function is greatly reduced. And that's where hyperbaric comes in because they might be going through physical therapy, you know, types of rehabilitation. Hyperbaric is an amazing addition to those kinds of therapies. It's, right. it's not it's, to use instead of those. It's not an, what,
1: what did we what did we say earlier? It's, it's not an either or. or. It's, it's not an and or. It's both and. You don't have to choose either hyperbaric or conventional treatment. You can choose both and see the benefit. That's the wonderful thing about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. All right, we've got to take another break. Yeah,
0: and then we're going to talk about like 20-something conditions and we're gonna, we get back. And we're
1: going to cram 20 <laughs> conditions in when we come back. It's going to be some speed speaking. I don't know if I can talk that fast. I, I probably can maybe think that fast. I'm not really sure. All right. So, when we come back, we're going to touch on other neurodegenerative diseases. We might get some, some cardiovascular disease. I definitely want to touch on arthritis for at least a second.
0: And autism and cancer. Yeah. We've got oh, a lot yeah. of
1: them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, maybe there's a part three coming. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. <laughs>
0: Wellness 101.
1: Welcome back. All right, we've got to go fast. There's a million ways. Little Sammy in the background, it got me all excited. All right, so, uh, so we've been talking about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and how it benefits um, different conditions, how it benefits the infl- inflammatory response. And we're going to go through a bunch of conditions here in this last segment. And we're going to talk about how this helps with the inflammatory response with these conditions. So we just talked about concussion and how it helps with concussions, traumatic brain injuries. Other neurodegenerative diseases that it helps with, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, same thing. These are inflammatory processes. If you put out the inflammatory fire, you can help. Again, is it a cure-all? No. But can it help improve function for some some individuals? Yes.
0: Yeah, and anyone who has a spouse or a parent who is dealing with something like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's, those minor improvements, because I know we've seen it happen they are life changing yeah
1: it's literally it's it's like someone goes from not being able to feed themselves to being able to feed themselves yes. how huge of a thing is that that's massive you know you get to define your own miracle with this stuff we don't define it for you we can't tell you what we ex- what the outcome will be we can just say hey let's see what happens for you
0: right and and with any of this i know we're going to have to go through this quickly if anyone is interested in learning about how specifically it helps with certain conditions? Um, go into the Institute of Natural Health, call them, make an appointment, and they can talk it through with you. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to anybody. <laughs> talk to you about <laughs> all the research. <laughs> I'll tell you research. I'll, I'll give you answers. I, I'll, I'll do anything. All right.
1: So. Uh, diabetes. It helps with diabetes. We're very familiar. Diabetics, oftentimes, they, they have decreased nerve function, decreased blood flow to their feet. They end up with these diabetic wounds. Hyperbaric oxygen really helps get oxygenated blood flow back to the area, helps get, get, uh, get blood vessels forming in the area, and helps those wounds heal. That's how it works in that sense. Cardiovascular disease. Cardiovascular disease is an inflammatory process, period. Cut and dried. There is no other way about it. Cardiovascular disease is inflammation. We hammered earlier what inflammation is and how hyperbaric oxygen therapy helps decrease inflammation. So, Aaron, do you think that hyperbaric can help with cardiovascular disease? Definitely. Exactly. Yes. If you have cardiovascular disease, hyperbaric is something that can help, right? It's another thing. Here's another one I like, joint replacements and arthritis. Yes. So bones are living tissue. A lot of us seem to forget that. They turn over in our body about every seven years. They're the longest living tissue in our body, but their living tissue so the same principle applies if we can affect those 8,000 genes or a little more than 8,000 genes and improve our, our growth factors and repair and our DNA replication of cells we are going to be able to improve this just the name arthritis joint inflammation itis is inflammation if there's itis in the name of the condition that you have trust me hyperbaric oxygen therapy can help right Fair enough? Yes. All right. Is there anything else I need to say on that one?
0: No, I just think those are so... I mean, there are so many joint replacements and...
1: Ooh, sidetrack, joint replacements. Joint replacements. If you're... Sometimes, joint replacements, they have to happen. You've Things have gone too far. Something that hyperbaric can help is... Remember how we talked about how to increase this free-flowing stem cells? You can... If you even if you have a joint replacement scheduled, you can come in, you can get some hyperbaric oxygen, increase oxygen in your tissues, increase stem cell production in your body, and heal faster from that joint replacement. and then come in after the replacement, heal quicker, get back on your feet faster, get back at it. Fair enough? Yes, okay. um, where are we going from here? Other conditions?
0: Yes, other conditions, yeah, that they're have been huge benefits in not just at our clinic but at you know there are case studies with a lot of these where they have shown to have big improvements
1: yeah lyme disease is one of them Lyme disease is this weird thing it's it's very difficult to diagnose um, most people ha- end up you know traveling seeing a bunch of different doctors and you know what we've found is at the Institute is that people fight figure out that we have a hyperbaric chamber and they'll call us and say well I have Lyme disease do you think it will help my my Lyme disease doctor or my Lyme literate doctor or whatever says you know hyperbaric could be very beneficial the other thing that's beneficial is IV glutathione just so you know throw that out there um, but yeah they'll come in and They'll use hyperbaric. We have several people that have Lyme disease. We actually have a doctor that lives a couple hours from us. He actually refers people from the St. Louis area to us to get hyperbaric oxygen. It's a, it's a great system. So migraines, migraine headaches, inflammatory reaction. If it's vascular in nature, sometimes migraines are not vascular in nature. But if it's vascular in nature, IV or IV, IV helps too. But um, hyperbaric oxygen can really benefit that chronic fatigue that's a that's a its own can of worms we don't really understand a lot of aspects of chronic fatigue other than people are inflamed
0: right and there can be a lot of causes it's more of an end symptom but one of the things that um, we do know is that yeah a lot of it's caused by inflammation and the hyperbaric oxygen therapy can reduce the inflammation right
1: aids patients that have aids can benefit from hyperbaric oxygen actually university of maryland did a study that showed that they have increased injury energy after um after that hearing we actually had an individual come in uh, it's been maybe a year ago that had some hearing issues and they went away after like five treatments it was pretty crazy he had this crazy ringing in his ear went away uh, you know it's inflammatory it puts out the fire
0: yeah, well, vision also, correct? Yeah, vision as
1: well. Actually, it's just been approved, FDA approved, um, which is unusual that FDA approves anything for a, uh, I forget what it's called, something about the central artery yeah, occlusion. I, I don't know. It's a stroke in your eye. It's been approved for that, which makes sense that it would, that it would help with that. And last but not least. Well, not th- last. But oh, not last? Oh. No. <laughs> it shows what I know. Um, it, hyperbaric can help with cancer. So we have quite a few patients in our clinic that have cancer and they come to us using adjunctive therapy. We keep in contact with their oncologists if if they want us to. We're happy to write letters and talk about the progress and things that are going on. But again... If, if you're out there and you have cancer, this is not an either-or treatment. This is not in replacement of your anything that your oncologist recommends. This is a both-and treatment, meaning you can do both treatments and get the benefits of both. And in fact, we know that cancer thrives in low-oxygen environments. There are tons of research that says that cancer thrives in a low-oxygen environment. One of the key treatments for cancer is radiation therapy. Radiation rec- is, is relying on the body's ability to create these free radicals, that's relying on our body to have all this excess oxygen. You have to have the oxygen. There's actually research that shows that people who get hyperbaric and do radiation actually have more success with their radiation treatments because they've got that oxygen there to keep the healthy tissues alive and puts oxygen rich uh, environment into the cancer and the cancer can't survive. Am I going fast enough? No, we need to move on.
0: <laughs> well, and I don't see this on here, and I'm guessing I know why it's not on here, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, okay. um, is that autism um, can be... Really, there have been huge improvements um, with children with autism, and I know that that is somewhat controversial, which is probably why it has been taken out. um, That's exactly why I took it out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to bring it up anyway, because I think it is extremely important for people to know that there are huge improvements. We're not talking about a cure. We're not talking about, you know, all of a sudden, um, you know, everything is perfect. But those, you know, a child becoming able to, you know, speak to you and interact and maintain eye contact and feed themselves there are huge benefits to hyperbaric oxygen therapy and the institute actually has a hyperbaric oxygen chamber that is specifically equipped for autistic children where you don't have to wear a mask and because uh, we have found that a lot of children who have autism have trouble having something over their face so um, that's a huge benefit right My Um, own
1: caveat there. Her own little caveat, ladies and gentlemen. That's Dr. Aaron for you. Right. Um, Another one, alcohol, drug abuse, recovering from that can help a ton. Chronic pain. Chronic pain. Athletes. Athletes use hyperbaric all the time, right? At professional athletes, a lot of professional athletes buy their own chambers to recover. It's all about recovery, right. and that's what we're after.
0: Anti-aging, sleep apnea. Sleep
1: apnea. Every time you can't get enough oxygen into your body, you are creating a low-oxygen environment. You are creating damage in your brain. Hyperbaric will help. Anti-aging. Anti-aging is all about turning on the DNA to promote health and healing and repair. Right.
0: And all right. it's a great wellness and prevention tool as we mentioned at the beginning.
1: And we got to go. There we we are out of time. Hyperbaric awesome stuff. Yes. Sammy's coming in in the background.
0: Call the office if you want more information.
1: 314-293-8123. You can go to our website, the Institute of Natural Health and follow us on all of our social media outlets. Please give us a call if you need anything. Thanks for listening.